Yeah, man. Yeah, this 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 headset thing gives me like a whole different experience. Have you done any of that podcast before? Uh, no, not really. First nah, time. First time. I've done lots of conversations, lots yeah. of chats and stuff. Some of them recorded, but yeah. I mean, I did the TED talks. Um, well, similar to TED talks. It's yeah, called, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've I've seen it. I've not I've not watched the whole thing, yeah. but I just uh, that's not to do with you. That's my bad habits. <laughs> no, not watching not at all, man. For. I mean, Alert sent me um, some videos to sort of get an idea of what's happening today, but yeah, yeah. I have not had a single minute today to look at anything. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> no, that's completely fine, man. Like, I've watched a couple of you guys' videos when we were doing yeah. the 12 hour shifts yeah yeah that's that's cool man um so yeah you know what I've, i'm just gonna ask you a first question actually yeah um so i do think about education a lot like in terms of education system and yeah. just like teaching and stuff um as a teacher like what's your experience have like what's your experience so far as a teacher like how do you feel about teaching and like what would you say are highs and lows of education system in general that's a lovely question. I mean, we can. That's a great point to start on with. To start with, to be honest, um, I think the education system. Yes, whenever someone, and again, sometimes we have to be very careful because it's a thin line that we tread mm -hmm. between um, criticizing the education system yeah. and allowing for that criticism to then be productive and mm -hmm. useful for us to build on that and to change things that needs to change. And then the complete opposite at the end of that spectrum is, oh, the education system was built against us not to serve us um, mm. and it's bad and it's, but all in all, to be honest with you, yes, the education system was not built for everyone. Yeah. It wasn't built for everyone. It wasn't built for the creative world that we live in today, for the globalized mm. world that we live in today. You know, if we're talking about specifically the British education system, throw it back a couple of hundred years and uh, the faces of British society were completely different. Mm. You know, British society wasn't, what it is today if you get a screenshot of british society today it's diverse it's multicultural it's lots Super. of different people exactly yeah. so back then it wasn't and yes there are aspects of education that are still built around that mm -hmm. to cater for that kind of crowd whereas it's not catering for students today yeah yeah but um again from my own personal experience and depends on the school you work at depends the environment depends the colleagues depends the senior leadership staff um there are people that are putting in lots and lots of effort to change the curriculums, to make yeah. them more diverse, to reflect the true identity or the, uh, to reflect the true cross section of British society. Yeah. Um, so the education system can be very useful and is very useful as a means mm -hmm. to an end. So we can't fully rely on just the education system, providing us with everything that we need to know, all the tools that we need to know to become active, positive citizens or people as but individuals. It's sort of, so it sort of just gives a baseline for someone to start with really exactly like the basic the basic tools and the skills to to get to to go out there and that's the whole point well, i think so for me and and i think of what you said it's like i'm not gonna just like criticize something without a solution i think for me personally my issue with school in general or just education in general is like there's no education within who the person is or, or the individual is and just sort of like there's no <clears throat> sort of like road roadmap for them to discover who they are as a person what their values are you know and all of these other different no, things 110 percent. Yeah, i mean yeah. it's not it's not a tailored fit education uh there can there can be access to tailor fit education mm. but you have to be very rich but then, but then the wouldn't, wouldn't there be like so this is the, this is my solution i would love to see schools and and maybe you know what even though i'm saying this maybe i should be the person that's taking lead on it and i don't know if i have the energy for that but i would love to see schools implement something around where there's a class where they can do that you know, there's a certain class because I don't think it has to be super like custom tailored, but I think there can be a class which allows the students to discover bits of themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, it's not, again, we're talking about this and we don't necessarily know. 
I want, don't have the figures or data or know about all the schools and what they provide, right? Mm. Um, but I'm pretty sure there are schools out there, at least maybe in London or across the UK or elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in Gibraltar, where I'm from, um, there there may be opportunities where teachers try and tap mm. into that creativity. But sometimes there has to be some sort of stimulus. Uh, there has to be some sort of trigger. Uh, mm. If they see that that individual excels in something more than anything else, mm. um, they may say, oh, you know what? You might benefit from doing this or you might benefit from extracurricular activities with that specific teacher. But again, we come back to the individualistic point and it's like not every teacher has the time to be able to offer those things. Yeah. Um, again, we talk about the system, we talk about the education system and sometimes, yes, truth is, and truth be told that there's a lot of pressure on teachers mm. as individuals themselves to provide, perform, and then be individuals themselves. Yeah. So we're talking about the paperwork. We're talking about the, well, be it the paperwork when it comes to students, be it the marking, be it the preparation for, for class, be it being able to control about 30 kids that you have in class. Mm. So imagine the pressure that's on a teacher as an individual to be able to, and it's not 30 kids is all you have because again when we talk about primary education yes maybe more effort can be done at primary education to allow students to discover certain things when they're younger yeah, yeah. but when it comes to secondary education you're talking about say for example i'm a science teacher mm. um, and you would have seven to eight different classes potentially of different year groups each of them with about 30 students mm. so when it comes to focusing on an individual student or giving a tailor tailor-made plan for them mm. even if it's in a subject that they really excel in um, there's only so much you can do. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. This, this this just popped into my head right now. And you don't have to answer it if you don't want oh, to. Oh, no. It's going to be on a podcast. But um, do you have like a, do, do teachers have favorites? Like, do, do you have favorite students? Well, that'd be a lie if I said no. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not, I mean, I've look, always wondered. of course, of course there's your favorite. But again, you're there as an educator. Mm. Your primary role as an educator is to provide these young people with the necessary tools, the necessary advice. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the necessary sort of um, mentoring for them to be able to not only understand your subject, because although I teach science, mm. but the amount of conversations that we have within science lessons that have nothing to do with science, um, mm. that evolve around things that maybe, yes, have been triggered by a question in a science topic, but are actually more um, relevant to life in general or more relevant to finance or more relevant to ethics, for example. I know, just off the top of my head, we talk about stem cell research um, and that comes as a topic in GCSE mm. science, but at the same time, the ethics behind stem cell research, faith plays a role. So does society. So does understanding of certain things. So again, if a student is not making uh, my life difficult, if a student <laughs> is actually working hard and again, this is what I say to all my students as a sort of rule when it comes to class. Um, you don't have to be the smartest student in the class mm. for me to say you're my favorite. On the contrary, um, some of the very smart students can be very obnoxious at times. Mm. So it's not about being very smart for you to be my favorite student, but much rather for me to see that you are putting, you're applying yourself, you're, you're making an effort, you're pushing yourself to your limits. Mm. And if I can see that you're pushing yourself to your limits, I know that you want this. I know that you're pushing yourself, you're trying your hardest, you're trying to learn, you're trying to understand. And that is your role, student, your role model student, in a sense, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is the best kind of students that you, can, that you can have in class. Ones that apply themselves and actually want to get something out of it. And adding on that, just without <laughs> longing this point out too much, um, I actually had a chat with a student, funnily enough, at a McDonald's about a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. She's one of my ex-students. I never taught 
Um, I never taught her, but um, she she was very unhappy with school and, you know, this and that. And I'd moved on from that school. And mm. what that student said to me was, oh, yeah, I can't do this. I can't do that. They don't like me, this, that. And I'm like, it's not about whether they like you or not. Mm. What do you want to get out of this? Like, let's say, for example, let's let's put this into a scenario. Let's say all of the teachers in your school are completely against you and they don't like you, which is not necessarily the case always. Mm. It can be, but it's not necessarily the case. Let's say they all hate you and they don't like you. What what are they to gain and what are you to gain? Mm. They've got their education. They've achieved their position in life well, for most for most teachers. They're doing their job. okay. But you as a young person, as a student, you need to try and forget about whether someone likes you or someone doesn't or how you're... Uh, okay, it helps when you have a more relaxed mood and a more accepting mood. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's no argument to that. But what do you want to get out of something? Mm. Forget and we always say it right, and sometimes it's like it's just said and thrown out there. But um, let the haters hate or forget the yeah, haters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, but we don't really truly understand what that meaning of haters is. You know, haters are not just people that hate on you on social media or hate on you elsewhere. Haters are people that maybe have negative influence and negative effect do, on your life. Do you know what I think? I think what you said is really powerful. I think hate hating is an influence, right? It's like and and a lot of the time I feel like. Sometimes, especially young people as well, they give a lot of the power away to other people. Like 100%. a lot of the consent is like, this person can make me feel like that. This person can do this. And and until and, and I think I'm just going to go back to the point of like the whole thing of exploration of who people are is that the moment you know who you are, it's like no one can really take that away from me. You know, regardless of what they say, they can say this, they can say that, but then I know who I am. Like whatever they're saying is not true. I get to decide what's true and what's not. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I think, and I only realized that quite late. Um, in life to be honest And this mm. is speaking of personal experience no? Until maybe 16, 17 Potentially even 18 When I moved over to the UK When I moved to London um, To continue my studies in, in, at university Yeah. So you know I sort of Rebuilt myself or rebranded myself Recreated myself I was like mm. this is you know This is the new Yusef This is what I'm doing And more than anything It was growing up It was giving too much Giving too much attention To things that didn't necessarily deserve it mm. And that's literally the point you made There's in um, we allow And look We have to be honest with ourselves and, and as an educator I see it all the time We do our best to tackle it uh, mm. Speaking for myself Every time I see a young person Not being kind to another one And it comes from that right It comes from kindness It's not about Oh you have to get along with everyone You have to like everyone No not mm. necessarily We don't all like each other But Be kind Because it doesn't cost you anything To be kind uh, You it's know free. Just, just It's free Kindness yeah. is free A smile You know uh, And again uh, from my faith A smile is a sadaqah A smile is, is, is giving in charity it's, it, And it doesn't cost you anything yeah. It's literally just Cracking a smile at someone And it can change their day You don't know how their day has been A smile can genuinely Change someone's day You're right. So young people sometimes Don't appreciate that They don't see that And they're mm. like Oh I don't like this person I don't like that person But if you keep building on that It just leads to more toxicity do, do More know, negativity Do you know, do you know what I'm kind of interested in as well I'm interested in parenting And I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of these traits within young people probably come from parents. Like maybe they overhear their parents saying, I don't like this person or whatever. And then it's just passed on, you know, and it's, it's sort of like a cycle. Because I feel like parenting is so important and it's not something that's looked at a lot of the times. And I can imagine as a teacher, you'd probably seen a lot of students where like maybe their parents was, you know, they were a bad influence to the kids and, and then they bring a certain behavior to the school. And that's and, absolutely true. That's yeah. absolutely true. It's, hundred, it's not, how do I put this again? We always have to factor in. It's not, you know, it's not clear cut. 
oh, it's the parents' fault. Or it's the no, no, there's fault, a there's a lot, the there's a lot of different right? potential factors. Just, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just to set it out there. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not pinpointing. Oh, no, it's of course, just no, because of, of this, not. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more than anything, yes, absolutely. You know, uh, your parents are the first people you open your eyes to. Mm. Uh, your household is the first place you open your eyes to. So if the household is not positive, it's not good. Then of course your experiences in life are gonna start off. Mm. On you know on at a dis- disadvantage of some sort, so a hundred percent. It's I think nowadays at least back back in the day a couple of decades ago I'd say there was more respect towards teachers in mm. what sense in the sense that even parents had respect for teachers. Mm. So it wasn't the kind of oh it's a teacher's fault they don't teach them in school or it's the teachers this or the teachers that. I mean I'm what twenty seven and when I was in school. My parents would always side with the teacher and not with me, yeah. whether I was right or wrong. You know, yeah, it, it yeah. built that understanding of my teacher is my parent in school, and I spend hours mm. on end. You know, hours on end. If I have respect for my parents, I need to have respect for my and teacher. That, and that and that gave you a different, yeah, that that gave a different relationship because then you're thinking your parents who are really important to you. They're appreciating that teacher, then it makes you appreciate that exactly. teacher. But like, if the if the parents going like, you know what, forget that teacher, then the student's gonna. Exactly, and and it, and and it's building on that. It's mm. it's building on those relationships, building on that understanding. And again, don't get me wrong. Some teachers, for for use of a better word, I mean, are are just not made for teaching. And unfortunately, they're in the profession. Yeah. Um, and I've had my fair share with some of those teachers. Uh, you know, teachers that have left a very very negative impact in my life. Mm. And examples that I can still remember to this day. Yeah, yeah. And that haven't helped at all, but. Do I allow that to define where I reach or who I am? Mm. Coming from an ethnic minority in Gibraltar, you know, sometimes subtly, maybe not just to your face, but many teachers, many educators, many people within the education system would be like, well, you know, you're... unfortunately, there are many people from the Moroccan community um, that never made it past GCSEs, never made mm. it past A-levels, never made it to uni. And some individuals would actually try and paint me with the same brush mm. and say, oh, how about you limit yourself just to this? It's fine. You can ju- mm. you're all right with this because that's their perspective in life. That's exactly. What see, no, the, I'm not. The, the I'm not all right with this. Hand. I'm yeah. not all right with this. I'm capable of so much more, and I know what I'm of capable course. of because I can push myself to it. Mm. So, but and then again, on the other hand, one negative experience or many negative experiences cannot define who you are. Cannot define mm. what path you take in life or what experience you have in life. So, I mean, the it's funny today. I, I received a message actually from. Um, the wife of one of my ex-teachers mm. um, on on Facebook. He's retiring very soon. And she recalls, she has fond memories of him speaking about me when I was in class. And um, she asked me to film a little video uh, speaking about something I remember from that teacher because she's trying to collate um, a retirement video mm, for him. That's beautiful. So one of those teachers, uh, th- this teacher specifically, was a massive positive influence. And he, and he taught me A-level biology. So mm. um, and when he sees the podcast, maybe he knows who he is. But that teacher was a massive positive influence in my life when it mm. came to sort of the field I studied and the direction I took. Another little story, and I think... Would, you, would, you, would you say he was a role model? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because I'm, I'm just taking it back a little bit because you were saying, like, I was talking about, like, favourite students and stuff, and I was thinking, actually, those students probably, they're not just your favourites, they actually see you as a role model, which is, you know, that's, 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 that's beautiful in itself. Abs- absolutely, yeah. and it's not... Look, it helps sometimes when that student can look up and say, oh, I see myself in this teacher. Mm. Culturally, religiously, colour-wise, for example. 
because we can't beat around the bush here. It's it's what happens. Mm. Sometimes many teachers will find it difficult because on a cultural level, um, maybe that student thinks mm, this person's not going to understand me. But that's just the surface. This teacher was not culturally the same, was not religiously the same. And, you know, I still look up to him. Yeah, uh, He still served as a massive pivotal point in my life for me to follow the field that I followed. I think I think it's also the element of being being themselves, you know. Like I, I feel like I feel like with young people, especially, like they can see through like fake energy or you know, like if someone's being authentic and stuff. And I Absolutely. think and I think where a lot of like not just teachers, just people in general in life, like kind of fail when it comes to young people because obviously I'm a youth worker as well. Yeah. So it's like when they're trying to portray or trying trying to be someone else that that they're not. Because young people would tend to appreciate someone that's more authentic and just being Absolutely. themselves rather than anything else. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just that. It's being yourself, but also seeing me as myself, seeing me as the individual I am mm. and providing me with those same opportunities that you've provided everyone and not limiting what I can achieve. Yeah. So that for me was more impacting when I was um, doing A-level biology, for example. Mm. Like this teacher, out of maybe some others, was more inclusive for me. You know, mm. he, he allowed me to to try and, and become the best version I could of myself and not limit me and not say, I'll oh, maybe stick to this or stick to that. So, so, much rather, yeah. so question, yeah. And just before I say the question, I've just kind of thought of a funny point, yeah. You know, like schools, yeah. Schools actually claim to be inclusive, but they have exclusions. So it's, that's like, that, that in itself is really, that's hilarious. Um, but the question is like, what does inclusivity look like for you? What does it mean to you? I think uh, I think we could be talking about that for, <laughs> from now until tomorrow. Um, inclusivity for me is to be able, not just for me individually as myself, because again, if I just speak about what inclusivity is for me, mm. I'm not being inclusive of everyone else's opinions or everyone else's definitions of inclusivity in itself. Mm, that's um, powerful. So like for me, inclusivity is to be able to... And <laughs> is, jogs my memory back to a video I saw of Will Smith um, recently. And he said something, well, he, he used the phrase, which I've used a lot, quite a bit in, in outreach work and in interfaith work sometimes. And it's, we need to love each other. And not love spelled L-O-V-E, but love spelled L-U-V. And that stands for listen, understand, and validate. Mm. So if we love each other, if we're able to listen to each other, it can lead to understanding. Once we understand each other, we don't have to agree with each other as long as we validate each other's points. Fair enough, your point is valid for you. My point is valid for me. We understand each other, we've listened and we move on. Mm. And I think if that forms the basis of what we see as inclusivity, be it on, um, be it to be in inclu included for your faith, for your color, for your culture, for mm. whatever it is, whatever the point is, um, it's important that anything to do with inclusivity is built on those three points on listening, understanding yeah, yeah. and validating one another's opinions and one another's beliefs, one another's um, upbringings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's more important than anything. No, that's, that's, that's interesting. Like the fact when you said like, if, like if you, if you describe what it means, then you're not being inclusive. Yeah. I was like, that's powerful in itself. I mean, inclusivity yeah. for me, I could, I could just say, you know, um, an inclusive society is a society that accepts people no matter their sexual orientation, their creed, their faith, whatever. Mm. But you know, other people will see inclusivity closer to heart when it comes to things maybe mm. they've experienced, or negative experiences or positive experiences that they've mm. seen that they think would form a better definition for, for being inclusive. But, I'll be, and again, on the point of inclusivity, sometimes it's not a definition. Sometimes it's actions. So 
again, when we're talking about teachers, and for me, there are many teachers that have made a lasting impact in in my life. Mm. And funnily enough, again, uh, I mentioned um, my A level biology teacher, uh, but before then, um, someone who actually is one of the reasons I've ended up in teaching, despite wanting a career in medicine initially, um, was a teacher I had in year seven. Mm. And when that teacher hears this, he'll uh, he'll recall it because I did. Oh, whoops, so good. Um, uh, we well, when I did the jib talks, um, he was actually watching there and came to to speak to me and was telling me how proud and you know how 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 lovely it was to see me become the young adult I am today. Mm. And when I was in year seven, I was I think year seven were about eleven, twelve. Yeah, eleven, twelve. I was still wetting the bed. So as in at night, I could still not go for sleepovers. I was just a late bloomer when it came to that. Mm. I couldn't tell my mates. It was impossible. So um, I was having, I was, I was going to see the doctors and, you know, what's happening and my parents were on top of it. I was just a late bloomer, basically. Mm. It was by a couple of years later, it was fine. Yeah. But um, I couldn't go to any sleepovers. I couldn't go to any trips for school. And um, I was a good student. I was a good kid in school. In year seven, it was middle school. The the layout of school we had in Gibraltar back then is changing now to more similar to the UK. But we had primary from reception to year three, mm. middle school from year seven to um, sorry from year four to year seven, and then secondary school from year eight to year thirteen. So it was my last year. I was a good student, um, and there was a trip uh, that had come out for a week in Grasalema, um, which is up the coast in Spain, mm. and it had everything. We were doing canyoning, rock climbing, up sailing. It was just like nice. a like a PGL kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I just told the teacher in class, I can't go. And he's like, why can't you go? And he's like, I was like, my first excuse, my dad didn't let me. Mm. So that was, the, you know, I couldn't tell my teacher the truth. It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. What Especially if as students, a kid. Like, yeah. Exactly. What if the students find out? What if my teacher, nah, I was like, my dad hasn't let me. So again, I understand the context of a community or a tight-knit community or a smaller community. Mm. So not all teachers can do this, but the effort can be put in, in whatever context. Yeah, yeah. And the student and their families will see that effort. This teacher then knew my father's place of work, went to my father's place of work and spoke to my dad. And he said, look, if the issue is financial, if you guys you know, can't afford it, I'm willing to pull some strings. I'm willing to, to, to fund it for your son. He's doing well in school. He's overachieving. You know, I, I don't want him to miss this opportunity mm. to be able to have fun with his peers, uh, be the young uh, person he is. Mm. And my dad was like, look, it's not the financials. Mm. But seeing as you made the effort to come all the way to my place of work, let me tell you what it is. So we told him, you know, he can't go because he's still waiting in the bed and he can't. So this teacher took it upon himself mm. to take me to that trip but to make sure that he woke me up twice at night for me to go to the toilet. Wow. And he put me in a room with students who were not necessarily naughty mm. um, and who wouldn't notice that I was wearing like these briefs that just in case um, I um, I wet the bed, at least it's a brief, so not the bed. Yeah, and he yeah. still woke me up twice a night just to go to this trip in year seven. Wow. He's a legend. So, you yeah, know, yeah. and that's a shout out to Mr. Cardona. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a legend, he knows man. he's, you know, it's an experience that has shaped me. Um, growing up, no, I, I'm being put in similar situations now yeah. with my own students, and I'm thinking, no, 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 I can't give up on this. I have to continue because there was someone who did that for me. So it creates this positive cycle, mm. you know. If again, and and you can't blame young people who have been treated so negatively, so badly, for them to then not help anyone. Yeah. So yeah. It, it creates a cycle, and it's sometimes it's relentless, 
sometimes it's non-forgiving, but it's a cycle of life. But I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that are saying a, a lot of the times that young people are the problem, but actually young people are the solution. Absolutely, you know, they're, they're the future. Like literally, they're the future of the world. And and there's different generations coming up. And I feel like sometimes just you know, so we're talking about young people, I feel like there's um there's a constant generational gap. And 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 I think what that gap kind of translates to for me is that um. It's just different perspective in life, different generation, and and you know, like, and I feel like maybe just someone not being able to invest time into understanding someone's world, you know, like the young people's world, like they're growing up in a new technological environment, you know, and unless I actually invest into it and understand what that means for them, it's like I can be ignorant and be like, oh, that's a different generation. They're not, they're not like we used to be back in the day, you know, you know, all of those different sayings, and yeah, it's crazy. So I feel, I feel like sometimes it's actually. Like it's literally people not wanting to spend time in understanding someone's world because if they Absolutely. spend some time, even if, if you can't completely understand it, at least you understand bits of it. You know that 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 helps them understand young people a bit more, and that kind of you know takes that generational gap it really, away a little bit. I agree. I couldn't agree more. But it really does work both ways as well, Leo. It works yeah, both yeah. ways. Like sometimes we as young people tend to think, and Im- like sometimes and not always, to quickly just. Um, when it comes to older people, mm. just to quickly, quickly shoot them down. You don't understand this, don't, just don't, or yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't know what this means, or you haven't lived this, or you haven't. But let's not forget that it's difficult sometimes. I mean, as individuals, yeah, you, yeah, so, you, so. You, you and I. No, if if something new comes along, yeah, yeah. and it's difficult for us to do, how do we go get past it? Sometimes, yes, we mm. have that resilience to be able to learn, develop, and change. But change is difficult. Mm. And I think that fear of the unknown is sometimes very. And again, with all when we spoke about inclusiveness, when um, I do work with with interfaith or intercultural work or social activism on whatever platform, mm. it's always sometimes to get that message across to people. Or even in the summer with Black Lives Matter, for example, there were many people that just couldn't see th- certain things or just couldn't understand certain points. And yeah, they don't understand them because they don't have the capacity to be able to um, see change or see things for how different they are or accept the different things. Mm. But sometimes it's it's not that hard. It just takes a certain method to approach it. And it's exactly the same when it comes to young people. So for older generations, um, it's not about, oh, you have to accept everything or immerse yourself or learn everything from, from new or ignore everything that you've been taught. Mm. But... Sometimes to be able to rewire understanding, all you have to do is sit down and listen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the best examples I've seen is one of these cafes. I can't remember where for the life of me. I think whether it was in the Netherlands. or, And it was um, a cafe where you go for a coffee, but you sit with a random person. Mm. And that random person is either an immigrant or a doctor or an asylum seeker. or And you're just sat there and you're talking to each other and you're learning from each other. Wow. And it changes ideas. It changes ideas. It changes people's perspectives. I'd love to sit, and and sometimes people don't like doing this. But I can I can vouch for it. I can vouch that it works. I can vouch that it's the best way to get through differences and to mm. get understanding or stimulate some sort I of think understanding. So it comes back to conversation, right? Hundred percent. Conversation and, and, and chats. Mm. Like if you can find again, you're not going to find the energy or the time to be able to chat to everyone who's different to you. But if the opportunity provides. And you're able to sit down with someone who you know mm. has the complete opposite understanding to life or to culture or to whatever it is as yourself. 
then give it a shot. Mm. Sit, talk about what they think, talk about what you think, talk about your beliefs, talk about your understandings mm. of things. And even if you don't understand at the end of it, we come back to love. Yeah, yeah. Listen, understand, validate, and then there yeah. you are. I mean, yeah, and, and, and I think it comes back from, like, it just comes back from an, an element that we're all human, right? 100%. And, 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 like, even today, like, I've had an instance where I'm driving, I'm in a roundabout, and it's just, like, loads of traffic because there's, like, temporary traffic lights. So I've had a moment where someone was about to kind of cut me off sort of thing, and I was about to, like, kind of, like, my automatic response, and this happens to me often, like, not just with driving, just in general, like, my automatic response is, like, like then when I go, actually, hold on, like, it's cool. It's not like what's that? What's what's? It's more about me. So like, what's going on with me for me to feel like that? You know, and and I feel like sometimes like to be honest, all the time that's what responsibility looks like. It's it's about looking within us and understanding what's happening for us, not allowing other people to kind of like do certain things where we can feel a type of way about it. But I think there's there's limits to it though. I think for me personally, and I don't know what it's like for you, but I think for me the limits are physical, right? So in terms of like. I think with words, I can not give consent to someone to make me feel sad or whatever or angry. But I think when it comes to physical, when someone's invading your physical space or trying to do something to you physically, that's a whole different story, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, apart from the physical, even the verbal can hurt a lot. Yeah, of course. And when it comes to young people, it hurts a lot. And I see it day to day. Mm. I see it day to day. The environment in which I'm working now and the young people I work with now... um, you can see how much damage that verbal has done. Yeah. Sometimes even physical. So look, verbal can always, and we can always sit and have a chat about this and say, oh, you know what? Young people should do this. Or old people should do that. Mm. Or it's easy. It's easier said than done. That's 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, and it's apart from that, I think sometimes the amount of um, verbal abuse that young people go through uh, be it in their own household mm. or out on the streets, it sometimes demoralizes. Mm. Um, it allows young people to lose faith in themselves. But it, this is just to all young people who are going to end up watching this, is that you write your own narrative. No one else writes it for you. Sometimes it's cliche, oh, I'm going to take the bull by its horns and I'm going to write my own narrative. Yeah, we can say that, but truly try and embrace that. Truly try and say, you know what? whatever this person believes about me or whatever that person believes about me is untrue. I am Mm. who I am, like you said before. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. Mm. And I am going to find a way of attaining whatever goal that I have. And sometimes ask myself the question, is what I'm doing now, is what I'm doing now going to benefit me for what I want to become? Because sometimes we dream, which is good, but do we put in the hard work? Sometimes we dream and say, we're going to do this, I'm going to do that, but are we putting the work in? Mm. Are we actually making the effort? Is the life I'm living right now, is what I'm doing right now going to lead me to where I want to be or what I want to build? I think, I think those are really like, important and powerful questions. And I feel like sometimes, and, and one of the other issues, like people might not know what that is yet, even if they ask that question, but I feel like as long as they believe like, or they do things like, or they exp- try to experience many different things. I feel like that's that's what's gonna help. That's 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 gonna be. Those are gonna be the steps to to get to that point. Hundred percent experience. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'm 27 and I'm a teacher and I still don't know what what I want to do in my life. And that might come to, as a shock to many people. It's like, yeah, you know, you're a teacher. That's it. That's what you're gonna do. That's not what I wanted to do initially. Mm. I wanted to be a doctor. Mm. Um, again, I had my own personal reasons, which we'll tap into in, in a bit. But I think 
it's not a problem for you not to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of us are, some people at their 30s or 40s decide to change in career. Or mm. some people, I've been with people in, in, in class who've done degrees like civil engineering, for example. And there's one route for that. And they've just been so demoralized by that course or um, not just civil engineering, but any course. Um, they've just not enjoyed it at all. And they've taken careers in completely different fields. But th- there are so many transferable skills that they've mm. learned from that degree. Yeah, and again, yeah. we come back to education. All of it might not be necessary, but there are so many transferable skills that you will take from there and adapt them to whatever role you become mm. or whatever role you end up doing. So it's not a problem not to know where you're going. Yeah, I think I think with a lot of industries in general, I feel like the structure is always similar. It's just the knowledge is different. You know? Exactly. And knowledge is something that can be obtained. and Always, yeah, always. Yeah. And it's not that. It's just apart from obtaining that knowledge, it comes to as long as you're moving, mm. as long as you're moving. And, and again, there's, uh, there's the saying of, you know, if, if you're not running, walk. If you're not walking, you know, crawl. Uh, so do something. Just don't be static. Because mm. if you're static and you're stagnant, you're going nowhere. Yeah. You're not improving. Even if it's a book that you open up and read. Even if it's something that, I don't know. Uh, nowadays, most of us have access to the internet. We don't have the excuse of, oh, I didn't know. We can easily search up things. Um, of course, don't allow that searching to go into some yeah. um, conspiracy theory yeah, style. Listen, listen, uh, you know, I was about to say, like, we have access to internet, but we also have access to excuses. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> to loads of them. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. When it comes to, I think when it comes to experiences, and you did say it before, experiences are always the most important thing. Mm. Experiences, and if I may add on that, is those experiences, if they lead to you creating new networks, mm. that's you. That's you winning, mm. because those networks you create can end up defining you. Because if you've created networks in multiple different areas, in multiple different fields, with people from all backgrounds, with people who um, have understanding on many things, you can always tap into those networks. But you know what's funny? Those networks are equivalent to new experiences. Absolutely, you know, it's, it's basically a net, to me a network is acts is an access to yeah. potential experiences. Hundred you percent, know? it's it genuinely is because I don't know. Say one of those people in your network is living in a different country. Mm. Something comes up in your role, be it in higher education or at work or whatever, where you need to discover something to do with that country. Yeah, that's your access. Do to you that think? Area. Do you think? Um, and maybe this comes from me a bit. Maybe I'm reflecting a little bit, but because I'm, I'm kind of, I have my moments where I don't give a shit i just ask and other times I, I don't ask but do you think people are scared to ask for things I've, do you think people are just scared to ask in general I, I, I just feel like asking doesn't really hurt at all you know it doesn't it really doesn't and i think apart from networks and experiences and let's go to the point of and i always keep pulling back to the point of inclusiveness and, mm-hmm. you know social justice and do you know the amount of people that sometimes don't want to ask me any question about my faith they're just like, oh, I don't want to offend. I don't want... And I'm like, no, no. You're not offending. You offend me more if you build an idea or a stereotype in your head that is not true. Mm-hmm. Ask me and I'll tell you. But this goes out to other people who get asked, don't know the answer, but still give the incorrect one. Yeah. For shame that they don't know the answer to a question that they should. Don't. Like, I think the most important thing that as educators we have to tell our students is that I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we do. There are many of us that do, many that don't, but many, the majority do. And 
a student comes to me and says, oh, I don't know, physics is my weakest of the sciences, for example. I say physics, uh, gives me a question on physics. And I don't know the answer. Mm. What do I say to them? Do I give them an incorrect answer? Do I just shun them and keep them quiet? Or tell them, oh, that's not the topic of class today. Don't talk to me about that. No. Mm. Oh, so-and-so, I don't know the answer to that. But how about this? You do some research, I'll do some research. We can talk about it tomorrow in class. Yeah, that's beautiful. That builds an understanding that my teacher is human. Mm. My educator is human. My educator has his flaws, doesn't understand certain things. And that also teaches them that it's okay for them not to not have to know. answers. Exactly. It's, it's entirely fine. Exactly, 100%. Because if they're taught that they need to be like competent all the time. Do, do you know what's funny? Like this is... This conversation is not It's not a weird conversation But I'm just remembering weird things I was watching a trial in America I'm not, I'm not going to say what case it is Because this is like a hot topic right now mm-hmm. I'm trying not to get into yeah, it yeah, But yeah. I was watching like a full trial Yeah And And I was I was hearing the lawyers use certain terms In the trial right And And they use so many different words That I don't even know Like what they mean and, and stuff like that And I was just thinking like in their world If there was a lawyer sitting there Or a judge sitting there and if they didn't know what those terms meant, for them that would be that that would be equivalent to incompetency. Yeah. Like they would just say they are incompetent. But then, isn't there a space where they can sit down and go like, I don't know what that means. Can you explain that to me? Because I felt like they didn't even have a moment like that. And I was just like, they're using some really complex terms. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's 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 absolutely normal and absolutely fair for a student not to understand things. I mean, I'm an adult. I'm 27 years old, and sometimes I sit again. I my background isn't in finance or in business or in economics. And sometimes the basic taxes that, you, that, that I look at and I'm like scratching my head, hmm, what is this? You know, sometimes I'm sat in, I don't know, a meeting. It could be a meeting of anything. Or it could be just within networks, sat with your friends mm. and a topic comes up and you don't understand. It's normal to say you don't understand. On the contrary, that allows for you to develop um, a fact-based uh, quest if we can call it that mm. of seeking that knowledge of seeking that understanding um from those people that know it or maybe for example i have this as um as a bit of a um, thing that i do when i don't understand something or when i'm watching a series you could be watching a series on netflix and something comes up and you don't understand it i tend to pause that series and quickly google search yeah, whatever google, that came out yeah, yeah. it Look, it's not, sometimes it's not the best answers you get on Wikipedia, but it gives you an idea of what that thing is. And that thing could come up in conversation at some other point. Mm. And at least you know what it is. Uh, or if you're sat with people, then write it down or jot it down on your phone. Just Keep it, it for later. Again, that's po- yeah. if, again, if we're talking about the conversation flowing and it's rude to bring it, write down whatever you want yeah, to yeah, remember yeah, yeah. and then have a look at it later. So the access is there. We have the opportunities. It's just sometimes mm. getting out of our shell and being vulnerable. That's exactly. That's you have exactly, to be vulnerable. Yeah, I love that because I think for me, it's like, and and I feel like, like if the, the less I'm afraid to ask, the more I'm learning anyway. So like, it, it's like it doesn't doesn't mean anything. I think I think maybe asking comes through with, with the level of rejection, right? Where someone goes, "Ha, ah, you, you don't know this or whatever," but I think I think rejection is important in life. Just in general, because I feel like people will get rejected multiple times. So the, the the faster they can get more comfortable with that, the the, the better it is. And I think failure is another thing. I think failure is very important too. Um, if you don't, if, yeah. if you never fail, you never learn, yeah. and that's true. It's not just one of these cliche points that is made to motivate young people or to motivate motivate people in general. But if you don't make mistakes, how are you expected to learn? Mm. If something doesn't work, where do you build that resilience? 
and that attitude mm. for you to be able to face it again and find a different solution for it. Yeah, the mistakes are learning. The you know the the things that go wrong is that is that thing of what's that saying? Like I've never met uh, a person who's in love who hasn't been heartbroken before, or I've never per- pers- uh, I've never met a person that's rich who's never lost money before. You exactly. know, so so failures were really like sort of is, it was it was a key element to to get in there. Yeah. Scientific research. Uh, as a scientist, anything, any experiment that any scientist has come up with, um, did they just come up with it? Or was it a process of trial and error? Trial and error. That's why I love trial and error. It's I always love, trial yeah. and error, trial and error, trial and error. How do you understand how to change the parameters of that experiment that you've got? Mm. How do you change the parameters of, for example, love? Maybe someone's definition of love was different to yours. Maybe um, your understanding of certain limitations within love were completely different. And those were tested. Mm. Those were put to the test. Yes, you may have been heartbroken at the end of it. But that will inform your your next um, relationship. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully it, it'll be a relationship where you don't make those same mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't allow yourself to be hurt the same way. Because it's not just about you making mistakes. It's about you allowing others to, to make hurt you. Well. To make yeah, mistakes yeah, in, like against you. Yeah, so yeah. you know how to set up your barriers, your boundaries. Yeah, that's you know what powerful. you want to expect. It's all expectations at the end of the day. You set those expectations mm. through trial and error. Mm. And, yeah. and it's it's key. It's key. If, if, you know, when it comes to, it could be education. It could be um, the health system. It could be anything. Mm. Like if you're not understanding where your limitations lie or you're not understanding what you are able to do or what you're entitled to, or how you can access what you're entitled to. Yeah, yeah. And that again, it, we all circle back to that trial and error because from experience, um, and we go back, <laughs> I think we always find our way back to the point of inclusiveness or the point of social justice. But, and again, languages can play a role, understanding, knowledge. It's, it always circulates around understanding, knowledge, um, certain barriers that don't allow people to access certain things. Yeah. Like I was first generation um, university student. Like my parents hadn't gone to university. So for me, it was difficult to make that step. It was the unknown. Um, parents were fearful, but they always supported. Mm. Um, but they grew up in a community, in a society where they didn't necessarily have access to everything because maybe initially, now not as much, you know, um, after many years, my siblings, etc. Of course, they're, they're fluent in, in in both languages that we use in in Gibraltar. But initially, they did not understand how to access certain opportunities for me or certain opportunities for themselves, even. Mm. So, how many families do we know in London where the kids are going to school? Some are excelling, some aren't. But mm. when they go back home, can the parents help them with their homework? Can the parents understand the different opportunities that? are laid out in front of them within the education system mm. to allow them to excel. Because again, sometimes it's not the education system that doesn't provide the opportunities. Mm. But much rather, the education system does not identify the lack of access that certain students of certain demographics have mm. to certain opportunities. So if, again, the tools may be there, but if I can't access this bottle of water, if, I, if this bottle of water is in front of me, but I don't know how to open the lid, Mm. What use is it to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's about learning I, I, I how to that. open that lid, and it's. I love that metaphor. So look, um, we definitely need a part two because 100%. so so we're we're limited to how long we can record and stuff. Currently, that's going to change next year. Um, so we definitely need a part two. 
But we're coming towards the end. Looking um, forward to it. So two things before we finish off, yeah. Um, first thing, obviously, we don't do introductions in a in a <laughs> kind of like standard way. We don't do them at the beginning. We do them whenever it comes up. So do you want to quickly introduce yourself and maybe share your Instagram or whatever so people can actually check you out a bit more? Absolutely. Because I feel like you're a really interesting individual. Thank you very much, man. To Same to you, bro, honestly. Um, so yeah, my name is Yusuf Elhana. Um, I'm 27. I'm a secondary school science teacher currently. Uh, my background is in biomedical science and uh, cancer biology. And um, yeah, I love me a bit of social justice, uh, interfaith work, uh, outreach within uh, communities and um, languages mm. uh, more than anything. I'm from a small, small place um, in the south of Spain. Many people don't know where it is. Um, it's called Gibraltar. That's the country I'm from. Um, my origins are from Morocco. So my parents were both originally from Morocco. Um, but yeah, Gibraltar is a small British territory in the south of Spain. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I moved from there to the UK to pursue higher education. Uh, my Instagram is L underscore UC. So E L underscore Y O U double S I. Um, and yeah, uh, feel free to, to jump in, feel free to ask questions and feel free to, uh, yeah, whatever it is, whatever questions anyone has cool. more than welcome um, I love it. to answer them. Um, feel free to connect. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, those networks, let's widen them. Exactly, exactly. Always. Exactly. And um, so th the question that we like to ask every single person that comes on the show is when you get a chance to say something to 7.8 billion people, what are you going to tell them? Wow, I wish I'd known about this question. I'd have prepared <laughs> better um, because I know I'm going to leave here and I'm going to think, oh, I missed this. Um, I think I'll keep it simple. Um, and I'll take it back to, again, what's a practitioner if... I'm not practicing what I preach. And if it's the 7.8 million people or billion, was it? Billion. Billion, okay. Yeah. Be kind. I think it all stems from that. Um, be kind to people. And not just be kind as in, you know, just a, a smile, but, but truly embrace what it is to, to feel for people. That empathy, I think, is starting to disappear from our communities, from our societies. Um, with the rise in social media interactions, with the rise of the virtual world, we're losing that human touch. And when it comes to be kind, I think that human touch, that empathy yeah. is what our politicians need, what our educators need, what everyone needs. Mm. Cool, man. I love that. Mucho gracias, hermano. De nada, de nada. Con <laughs> Thank you for coming. El, el, placer, el placer es todo mío. Muchas gracias. Right, thanks, bro. Love it. <laughs>